He who spares the rod hates his son. But coming up, Pastor Xavier Reese says discipline is a show of love. Notice that David continued to deal with Absalom the same way he always had, without restraining him. So many parents are like that. They leave their children to themselves. I am always amazed at fathers and mothers who consistently don't do anything about their children's conduct. To me, it's real simple, but I guess it isn't. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The book of Proverbs offers good counsel about the favorable results of discipline in the home, as well as cautions parents for the likely detrimental outcome when the rod is spared. And to illustrate the latter, we'll be observing the parenting skills, or lack thereof, of the king who failed as a parent, David. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier draws the many important simple truths out of the resulting troubles of David's transgressions. David has been an incredible source of instruction for us in that God has allowed his strengths and weaknesses, his victories and defeats, to be forever recorded in great detail for our learning. We shouldn't waste it. For our last study, we want to look at David's flight from and return to the throne, which is marked by three divisions, and it runs from 2 Samuel down to the first two chapters of 1 Kings. Uh, here's the three divisions. The treason of Absalom and David's flight, chapter 15 to 17. Secondly, the defeat of Absalom and David's return. Chapter 18 to 19. And last of all, the ongoing trouble of David in his last words. And that's from chapter 20 all the way to the second chapter of 1 Kings. And I'll give you those divisions as we go along. We'll take them one by one. Let's go to the treason of Absalom and David's flight. Second Samuel chapter 15 to 17. Notice in chapter 15, verse 1 through 12, David's foolishness to trust Absalom. Absalom has a history. You don't trust people with history. <laughs> Alright? That's not faith, that's foolishness. Absalom, in verse 1, says after this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots, horses, and 50 men to run before him. He has been allowed to come back to the kingdom uh, through a little kind of manipulation of Joab. David said, I don't want to see him. He finally gives in. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, everything's all forgotten, so to speak. And Absalom exalts himself within the kingdom by providing these chariots and horsemen to run before him. Notice that David continued to deal with Absalom the same way he always had. He led him to himself without restraining him. He left him to himself. So many parents are like that. They leave their children to themselves. And they never restrain. Absalom made himself visible at the gate, verses 2 through 4, and undermined his father's love and integrity for the people. In verse 2, he said, what city are you from? In verse 3, he would say, your case is good, but there's no deputy to hear it. And in verse 4, oh, that I were made judge in the land. Then I would give judgment to all the cases. He's at the gate. 
This is the place where judgment takes place. The elders are there. David had to have been aware, yet he did not do anything consistently with his failure as a parent. I am always amazed at fathers and mothers who consistently don't do anything about their children's conduct. I'm always amazed. Much of the destruction that comes is because of that allowance. I love my children. And as they grew up, they had rules, they had discipline, they had boundaries. Once they're grown up, if they want to live apart from God, that's their decision. They know how I feel about it. I'm not forcing them to be Christians, but I certainly can stop them from having their decisions affect my home. They don't live in my home if they don't want to live for Christ. They're still my children to love them. I love to have them visit me, but they will not live inside my home fornicating, getting drunk, getting loaded, or doing their thing. To me, it's real simple, but I don't know it. I guess it isn't. David certainly had a problem in that area. Look at him in verse 5. Absalom affectionately kissed the people and stole their hearts, it says. He stole their hearts, 5 and 6. This is his father's kingdom. This is his father's people. This is his father's place of judgment. He's not even trying to be sly about it, you know what I mean? In verse 7 down to 12, Absalom requested from David permission to go to Hebron to pay a vow to the Lord for returning him to Jerusalem. And he was covering up his conspiracy here from verse 7 down to 12. Conspiracy to overthrow his father. In verse 7 and 9, the time was after four years since he had returned. And in verse 7 through 9, Absalom's deceit was consistent with his past character when he killed Abnon. Didn't he do the same thing? Oh, I'm going to throw a party, have Abner come. And thought, oh yeah, go ahead, I can't go, but let him go. And he killed him. David, wake up. He doesn't even bother to change the plan. His father is so, not, not naive. He is so set on not dealing with confrontation. There are some of us who do not like to deal with confrontation. We will do anything but confront. And that's a weakness. Now, on the other side, you have people who love getting people's faces, okay? That's a weakness real bad, okay? But when you do not deal with confrontation that must take place, woe to you. It's no good. It's very important. Absalom sends spies, verse 10 through 12. Throughout all the tribes of Israel, and the conspiracy grew. Now, don't you think that David had too many checkpoints to ignore them? Remember the last time we looked at all the checkpoints with Bathsheba? You know, you know that you know that he had all kinds of checkpoints, but he kept ignoring them. Now there are a lot of checkpoints that take place in our life, and if we ignore them, we're adding to our own hurt. Whether it be with our children, our wives, our husbands, ministry, work, whatever it may be. Notice secondly, when you get down to... Um, uh, verse 13 down to 18, David's flight from Jerusalem is recorded here. And in verses 13 and 14, David knew the murderous capacity of Absalom, so he made haste. David's servant left with him, but he left ten concubines there to keep the house. This was a custom of the time. 
But David, look at the capacity. He says, let us arise in verse 14, or we shall all not escape from Absalom. David knew the capacity of his son. David's a man of war. David's not some wimp. He ignored all those checks. Always in the back of my Well, you know, it won't happen. No, it won't. Yes, it will. If you ignore the checks, if you ignore the confrontations, it will. Absolutely. Look at verse 17 through 18. David's flight was painful. In verse 17, David stopped at the outskirts of the city, probably with mixed emotions, reflecting on the years and what it had come to now. Gone in a day. All those years, it seems like one night. Verse 18, David most likely grieved and was humbled as all his servants passed before him. I mean, put yourself in this, in this state and, and it's hard and, and his son is chasing him out and all that God has done. And he's looking back on the years, looking at the city and here he is, he's running towards the wilderness. Notice thirdly in verses 19 of chapter 15, this will take us all the way to chapter 16, verse 14. You have David's exiled subjects. And I'm just going to mention and point them out to you. In verses 19 through 23, you have Ittai the Gittite, interesting name, who would not be denied. In verses 19 and 20, David told him to return since he was just a foreigner and, and had just arrived that night before, the day before. But David would not be heeded only to hear the pledge that he would follow him unto death in verse 21 and 22. These are the men who love David. These are the men who are faithful and loyal. These are the men who do not serve David because of comfort or because of riches. It's always interesting in ministry, people who serve in ministry, you find out who are servants and who are not. Time reveals that. The difficult time reveals that. Just like true love is revealed in our marriages when the tough times come, right? When the failures come. In verse 23, David and all the people crossed over the brook Kidron towards the wilderness as the country all wept. Now David here is a prototype of Jesus fulfilling the prototype of the sufferings of Christ as he walked over the Kidron into the Garden of Gethsemane. Here David goes over Kidron also. Over the Mount of Olives into the Judean wilderness. In verses 24 20 through 29 we get the next person. Zadok and the Levites return to be David's informants. They were leaving, but David told him to return with the ark to Jerusalem. And if God would return him, fine. And if not, then it's up to God. And that they and their sons, in verse 27 through 29, would be David's messengers to inform him as he's in the wilderness. Notice David. He's a smart man. He's no dummy. And I'm always amazed of how many foolish things we do in certain areas, and we can be so wise in others. Verse 30 to 31, someone told David that Ahithophel was among the conspirators. Doesn't tell us who, just someone. David grieved in verse 30, marked by the weeping, covering his head and being barefooted. David hearing in verse 31 of his long life companion and confidant as one of the conspirators prayed that God would turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Have you ever read Psalm 55, verse 12 through 14? David says, if it would have been my enemy, I could have borne it. But it was my friend, we took sweet counsel together, we worshiped in the temple together. The closer a person's to you, and when there's a betrayal, the greater the treachery. When, when someone who you've loved and you've cared and you've poured your life and it happens, you just, it hurts you. It cuts you deep. Verse 32 through 37, Hushai's the next person. Hushai the archite. 
He was sent back to defeat the council of Ahithophel. Look at him, verse 32. David would be able to see one last look from the very top of Mount of Olives before he would descend on the other side that led to the Judean wilderness. And he said what? He worshipped God. You see, this is the evidence when we go through difficult times that we worship God. Or is it only when times are going good and you know money's flowing in and the job's going well and kids are healthy and, and dog's not sick and everything else and we worship God. But it's when those difficult times come when people are saying things about us that's not true. Or people are uh, perhaps not the kindest to us when, when uh, the car's broken down and the washing machine broke down at the same time and, you know, and we just got our, our notice of being laid off. That's the reality of life. God wants to know if I'm going to worship Him. Notice there met Him with a robe torn and dust on His head, sharing His grief. He's one with David. And so David told him that he would be a burden to him if he went. Rather, he should return and pledge a service to Absalom in order to defeat the council of Ahithophel. Verse 33 and 34. Even as David is fleeing, David is setting up his plan. Smart man. He's too smart for me to believe that he wasn't smart enough to know about Absalom. All along. And so, verse 35 through 37, he was sent information through Zadok, Abiathar, and his sons. And these are the group. Now, there's another person here that we want to look at, and that's uh, in verse 1 through 4 of chapter 16. And his name is Ziba. Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth. Remember? The son of Jonathan. Now, he betrays Mephibosheth. He says, when David was a little past the top of the mountain, where there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddle donkeys, and on, on them, 200 loaves of bread, and 100 clusters of raisin, and 100 summer fruits, and the skins of wine. And David said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? And so Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint, and the wilderness to drink. And then the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel will be restored, will restore the kingdom of my father to me. And so King David said to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you, that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king, the rat. There's always rats around in God's house, in God's people. Ziba is a first-class rat. Verses 1 and 2 he brought a gift to David, make it look good. In verse 3, he um, slanders, accuses, commits character assassination of his master, Mephibosheth. And David foolishly hands everything over to him, even as he sees Ziba bowing in hypocritical humility. You know, Whenever we are under spiritual attacks and are emotionally drained, we do not make the wisest decisions nor the most honorable in our investigations. And therefore, we can run with false and wrong information. 
We need to wait. We need to search it out. We need to be accurate. We can always say I'm sorry, but it's a lot better not to offend than to offend and then say I'm sorry, right? So I need to go the second, third, and fourth mile. David's brokenness is very evident in verse 5 on down to 14. In verse 5 through 8 there, Shimei curses David. Shimei is this guy came out cursing him continually as he came in verse 5. And he threw stones at David in verse 6 and all the servants of the king and all the mighty men. I mean, they were right there with him. And in verse 7, also Shammai said thus uh, when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. And the Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Now, I think that there were a lot of people like Shimei because of David's failure with Bathsheba and everything else. Sometimes people have their eyes on a man so much and when he falls, they get very bitter and they're marked for life that way. Now David knows that the man is speaking truth and lies mixed together. David's generals want to take his head off in verses 9 on down to 12 but David humbles himself and says hey listen who knows maybe God told him to curse me leave him alone <laughs> some of the things that will be said about us will be true and some will be lies and where we have fallen and where we have failed we can't blame people and where we haven't and they accuse us Sometimes God will have us just shut up. Other times He'll cause us to confront with Matthew 18. But God will show me. And I have to be obedient to Him. Notice when we get to verse 15 to chapter 17, verse 29. David's friend Hushai defeated Ahithophel's counsel now. In, in verse 15 through 19 of chapter 16, Hushai is confronted by Absalom. In verse 15 through 17, he's confronted with his loyalty to David. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be serving your friend? In Hushai, in verse 18 and 19, vows his service to the one who has been chosen by the people. In effect, he's saying, well, the people have chosen you now, Absalom, so I come to serve you. Long live the king, verse 16 says. But whom the Lord and the people and all the men of Israel choose, will I be? And with him, I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the presence of his son? So he's really laying it on him. Absalom is a vain person. He loves it. You know, it's easy to snooker vain people. All you have to do is start talking about them. They love it. Their whole countenance changed. Oh, really? Oh, it just, it just changes. Verse 20, all the way down to verse 4 of the next chapter, Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom is given. In effect, he advises Absalom, 
to defile the ten women his father has left before all of Israel as the tent is set up in the rooftop. This way they would know that there was no way of reconciling the relationship, that he hated his father and his father could not pardon this. By the way, remember the prophecy of, um, of Nathan to David, the sorrow will never depart from your house. And you, what you've done in secret, taking this man's wife, your wives will be laid openly, publicly. How oh, interesting. In verse 1 through 4 of 17, he volunteered to pursue David and bring him back, or kill him and bring back the people. And so this was his advice to Absalom. But then they asked for Hushai's counsel. Let us hear what he has to say too, verse 5 says. So from verse 5 down to 14, first in verse 5 through 10, he advises against Ahithophel's advice, saying that David and his men were men of war, and it would be precarious lest the people lose heart and think that David's winning the battle. And in verse 11 through 14, he advises Absalom to gather all of Israel to him and go in his own person after his father. And the Lord allowed him to defeat the council of Ahithophel. Notice that God's gone out of the way to let us know that God was in the allowance of the deception. Hushai at this point, verse 15 through 22, sent messengers to David by Zadok and Abiathar. And they were almost found out in verse 23. And this woman hit them in a, in a well there. And then when it was safe, they went and they told David. Now, this man Ahithophel, he's a poor sport. In verse 23, it says, When Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, arose, and went home to his house, to his city. And then he put his house in order and hung himself. And he died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Some people feel that they have to be the ones calling the shot all the time. And when this is the nature of their life and their character, when they're confronted with defeat, it's very, very difficult for them to be able to handle it. And many times they can't. In effect, he felt he was being rejected. Though you do have to commend him. He got his house in order before he killed himself. Now, many people ask me often about um, suicide in Scripture. And what I tell people all the time is that this is one of the places, of the few times that we have people taking their own lives, every time that they do so, either they're not walking with God or they're totally rejected by God. I would not want to give anybody any hope regarding heaven if they take their life. Because the scriptures do not give me hope directly. So where the scriptures are silent, I want to make sure I shut my mouth. My Bible tells me that no murderer shall inherit the kingdom of God. Your life belongs to God. If you take your life, as far as I'm concerned, you're a murderer. And I don't think you're going to have enough time to confess it. Don't tell me you repented before you died. Don't tell me you repented before you thought about killing yourself. It's just that simple. So, I would not dare to be so bold. 
to assure you on something that is very, very unclear in Scripture. Well, with those sobering thoughts, we're going to have to draw our teaching to a close for today. Just partway through our final message of the Character Study series on the life of David. Now, if today's study is one you'd like to get your own personal copy of, as always, we're pleased to be able to provide that to you on CD, if you'll just mention the title, David Part 7, with your request. We just ask that you send along $4 to help cover the costs. That title, once again, is David Part 7. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then we hope you'll be back for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese coming next time right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com